0: Really, the overarching idea is just to create a space for connectivity and community.
1: Hi, I'm Andrew Goldstein, and this is The Art Angle, a podcast from ArtNet News where the art world meets the real world, bringing each week's biggest story down to earth. Well, It goes without saying that it's yet another week of coronavirus-sown chaos, with the United States convulsed by its government's scattershot pandemic response and also continuing protests against police violence and racism. In the midst of all this, and in the midst of the economic crisis that has been shuttering art spaces around the world, word of an unusual new art space in Los Angeles called Compound started circulating about a month ago. Even more intriguing... It's a novel enterprise devoted to the intersection of art and wellness, something I think we're all craving a little bit more of these days. And while this may sound a little woo-woo to some, the artistic director behind the project gives it some unusually credible heft. Her name is Lori Furstenberg, and she is a Harvard PhD toting art world veteran who trained under the legendary curators Okui Enwazor and Thelma Golden, worked on some of the biggest biennials in the world, ran the curatorial department at New York's venerable artist-based nonprofit, and then has spent the last two decades helping put LA's art scene on the map with LAX Art. And that's just skimming the surface. Anyway, for the past five years, she has been focusing on the launch of Compound, which is scheduled to open to the public this September with a brand new multi-purpose space in Long Beach's Zafiria district. Today, to talk about her fascinating new undertaking, I'm very happy to have Lori on the show. Thanks very much for coming on the Art Angle, Lori.
0: Thank you for your interest in Compound and for taking the time.
1: You are the curator and artistic director of Compound. What is Compound?
0: Compound is the vision of cultural philanthropist and designer Megan tagley Ferry, who I met several years ago, and we've been working on this project together for over five years. And she is based in Long Beach, and we've been doing um, a great deal of work in Long Beach, uh, really understanding the kind of context and cultural climate and what seems to be a desire on the part of the creative community for a space, for culture, for connectivity, And uh, for coming together. So she conceived of this several years ago as a philanthropic development, a cultural complex, kind of sitting at the intersection Mm -hmm. of what are her personal and professional priorities about art, design, wellness, philanthropy, community, connectivity, and really to create a space of belonging. So I have developed the kind of arts and culture programming with her and we are announcing a new executive director in the next few weeks who comes mm-hmm. from the kind of wellness and social activism sector and it's just you know surreal but it's an exceptional time to be opening a space you know at least for me and working on this daily just thinking about compound as sort of a light at the end of the tunnel
1: so Megan Taliaferri, the, the founder, is um, a member of the illustrious Scripps Media and Broadcasting dynasty. She's the owner of Flow Design Studio, an interior design business. But beyond that, she's actually, at least to me, somewhat mysterious. She's more or less ungoogleable for <laughs> for any aspect of her life that precedes Compound just this past June. Why, why is that?
0: She is a very modest, humble, and private person. And her support of artists and her support of cultural institutions all over Los Angeles, Southern California, um, her support of cultural, social organizations all over the country, but particularly in Long Beach, everything is always uh, quite private. So this project is really um, anomalous for her. Mm-hmm.
1: And, and has she been doing anything in the art world previous to this, either in terms of collecting or being on the board of a museum or any of those kinds of more traditional ways of engaging with the art community?
0: Definitely. She um, has an extraordinary art collection that she developed with Lisa Schiff. And Lisa was the close uh, family friend and colleague who pulled me into the project at the time where Um, They were talking about the creation of a foundation and uh, what that could look like. Mm
1: -hmm. If you say those words, art and wellness, and, and you talk about compound as being a space devoted to art and wellness, some jaded New Yorkers might roll their eyes and say that that's the ultimate L.A. cliche, you know, like the incense, green juice, crystals, you know, transcendental meditation. What would you say to that?
0: I would say a couple things, you know. On a personal level, coming from New York to LA, I've been thinking about this experience I had, and when I was getting divorced, turning forty, and a friend and colleague of mine sent me to a healer, and I was in this healer's house, and I was surrounded by patchouli and crystals and dreamcatcher, <laughs> and I oh. literally said to myself how did this happen to me? How is this my life? And how am I this like walking, talking cliche? And oh. I had this exceptional experience that was really healing and transformative. And at that point in my life, I became far more open in incorporating mm-hmm. yoga and meditation into my life, which has really impacted my work because on the personal level, I'm a workaholic. There's a kind of long line of anxiety disorders in my family which I've inherited which have only been amplified by this pandemic and of course so I do understand Megan's vision that there are so many experiences and so many opportunities to share a lot of education and a lot of disparate practices in the wellness arena with, you know, her local community, but on a discursive level, what we found was when we were in every artist studio, every artist was making work about the sublime mysteries of the universe, abstraction, transcendentalism, meditation. Mm-hmm. So from an art historical perspective, there's something happening that, is intergenerational and something that we're seeing. So really we're following the lead of artists that we were talking to, and that were very generative and informative and inspirational in putting this project together. And so the collection is very informed by a certain kind of body of work. For example, the first show is entitled Chaos to Cosmos, including work mm-hmm. by Helen Pashkin and Fred Eversley and Olafur Eliasson, Lita Albuquerque. And so I, I have a better understanding now of why this intersection speaks to so many different individuals and communities, because there definitely seems to be an interest or desire or a kind of necessity just for survival and sanity, you know, to be open, you know, to different practices and and philosophies.
1: So I'm curious, how would you define wellness exactly? And how do you see art intersecting with wellness?
0: I really, you know, turn to our founder when it comes to this, because this, you know, is not necessarily my particular area of expertise, but I've also been talking a lot to our new ED, and he is starting to define wellness in the context of compound as just about the art of being whole and really serving the community and individual holistically. So I think that Megan's vision is something that I have been hearing a lot about for decades. I've been sitting in strategic planning meetings, cultural institutions, you know, how to drive audiences, how to keep them there for hours, you know, through programming and music and film and food. And, you know, this is just this kind of exceptional, intimate amalgamation of like so many disciplines. It's exceptionally ambitious and dense programmatically and very intimate and modest in scale, kind of an incubator for this concept. But in terms of how compound is approaching wellness, I would say we're putting together, like I said, this exceptional team and that includes Emma Gray who's a curator based in Los Angeles who has a program called the Energetic Residency so they're a wellness partner for compound and most of the artists that she collaborates with they do a lot of Programming around meditation, therapy, and the like. So she is developing programming for us, including something called an empathy lab. Mm. We've acquired a piece by an artist named Megan Dollar, which is this helmet. We won't be using it probably until the new year, but uh, two people are engaging with each other in a very intimate fashion and it really is this exceptional exercise. I
1: think that maybe I should explain to listeners that, from the pictures I've seen at least, this is a helmet built for two, where you put it on and you're kind of face-to-face. Is, is that right?
0: Yes. And I think that the artist is also... Using this piece in, in other contexts, uh, I think it applies to, you know, even kind of reconciliation, working in border conditions and contested zones. So it has sort of psychological, physical, and sort of political ramifications. Mm-hmm. So everything we've been working on, including a big project after Chaos to Cosmos, which is called Radical Empathy, about art and activism, was meant to open in time for the election. But, you know, everything is is being pushed right now. You know, these are projects that have been in the making for years, but just seem to resonate in no uncertain terms in light of The global pandemic and this kind of revolution that we are experiencing. So we're just trying to press forward with all of the original vision and intentions just seem to be reverberating at this present moment.
1: Even before the pandemic, wellness was a a hugely burgeoning sector that was uh, sweeping the world with all of these services and products popping up to kind of soothe people's anxieties because we live in such an anxious time, even when there isn't a pandemic. At the same time, there's been a predictable backlash to this idea of wellness where medical professionals have been saying that actually a lot of these products and services are not proven to have a real medical benefit And maybe they work as a consumerist form of escapism where you buy uh, a fancy product and feel better mentally, but not necessarily physically. How do you feel about this critique of the idea of wellness?
0: I understand it. It's just interesting because it seems like the climate has shifted. And really the overarching idea is just to create a space for connectivity and community. And whether you come to that space to see a kind of international artist debut of a new extraordinary work, or if you're there for a local meditation class, that I think it's this kind of experimental, hybridic space that has been Megan's vision for so many years. And it's just quite surreal to be opening at this particular moment.
1: It it seems to me that, that a lot of the way Compound is operating, at least from what I've, I've seen on the website, is very well-intentioned and, and very up-to-date in terms of the, the present-day thinking on issues of equity and of our inheritance of colonial pasts. For instance, on the website, it says that, quote, we acknowledge that we are on indigenous sacred ground and strive to honor this heritage. It also says that Compound will compensate artists based on a living wage, <laughs> which which might not seem so uh, unusual, but actually there are very few art spaces that pay artists for their labor when it comes to putting up shows. Can you talk about the ethos a little bit?
0: Definitely. I think that all of those, the text that you mentioned, the website, really is just the kind of genuine ethos of our founder we also have been working with this exceptional social justice writer consultant and researcher named Sanaz Alisafar, who I've worked um, with for several years on, on many different projects and she has just been exceptional in terms of writing and helping us think about you know what a mission and vision kind of statement, a point of departure that would inform everything that we do at Compound. And that culminated in a policy of belonging, which um, is mirrored by the artist Tavara Strachan and has um, produced a kind of major site-specific work on the facade of the building at Compound that says, you belong here. And just how that has resonated, it was being installed actually like the week of intense Protests and while we're in construction, how the work has been kind of read by neighbors and community members, people uh, gathering around it, talking about it for hours, even before we open. Just that work um, really sets the tone, you know, for Megan's you know belief system, and that it is a space for everyone.
1: So I know Megan has put up the, I think it's $1.2 million that it costs to start the space. And a lot of the art and the opening exhibitions comes from her collection. But tell me about the business model, because I've read some reports that suggest that the the restaurant is actually going to be a big part of the operating costs and, and revenue generation that the space is planning.
0: Uh, Yeah, I think that the model is interesting. You know, for me, I've been working in the context of very traditional nonprofits for 25 years and that opening a new space in the 21st century is very interesting and the space is so beautiful and well-designed and is a place that people will want to come for art and artist talks and screenings and performances and empathy labs and idea labs and the like, but also for music and food and beverage. And it's a beautiful event space. So it really has a lot of capacity for, you know, other streams of revenue to help support uh, the more kind of philanthropic and community endeavors that compound is invested in.
1: What is the wishing wall?
0: Are you referring to the wish machine?
1: Oh, sorry, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. the wish, wish, wish machine. That's right.
0: I mean, it's interesting. Like we have been researching kind of interactive, engaging, experiential art for the past five years, and what is always fascinating to me about Megan is she always would gravitate towards something more kind of intimate and. Sn- and nothing spectacular, which is really oftentimes the opposite impulse of that kind of genre of work. And a project that you're referring to is the work of a design collective um, based in Turkey right. called Autobahn. And it was a piece that we just kept coming back to and that she kept thinking about, which is a kind of sculptural installation where one can write a wish or idea, or desire, and put it in a capsule and have it be absorbed by the sculpture, and it kind of goes to this unknown space. And I think at this time of isolation that Megan had been really thinking about that piece and what that would be like at the time of opening for our audiences to be able to define what their hopes and dreams are for the future and for us who even have an archive of what those ideas are and what that would look like and you know to have that kind of that body of of text a marker of this particular moment of time so that's a piece that uh, we'll be installing for our fall opening
1: now in september so next month the, the space is scheduled to debut to the public and it, it's going to come at a time when this pandemic is still raging, when art spaces are shutting down everywhere, where LA is projected to lose a third of its art galleries to closures. And I wonder what impact you hope the space is going to have in the art community?
0: Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. I mean, opening in the fall looks very different than what any other (laughs) kind of opening would ever look like. And, you know, it's really focused on, you know, safety and conditions that are conducive uh, for seeing art. And what that looks like to us right now is a very individuated experience. So I've just been thinking a lot about that. I think, When we think about experiential art, I always read like, oh, we've stood in line for two hours and we're able to see something for, you know, 20 seconds. And so to really have a kind of intimate, isolated time, I just think that there's so much potential in that and so much power in that. And so I'm really interested in what a kind of socially distanced, soft opening will look like. And I do know that a lot of what we'll need to do programmatically will have to be virtual for quite some time. Like a lot of our performance programming will shift into the following calendar year. You know, you always want to produce and touch audiences and you're talking about numbers and this is the opposite impulse on so many levels. And practically it is a necessity But to be able to have the flexibility to do that is quite remarkable.
1: Well, this is totally fascinating. I I just have one last question for you, which is how has your experience working with compound changed the way that you look at art in terms of its, its uses, its value, its efficacy?
0: I've always found that artists have, You know, inspired my life and my thinking and my worldview over time. And that Compound is this exceptional space and platform to amplify diverse voices in art and in other disciplines. And I think that my interest for Compound is just in creating dialogue and you know, space for interaction, you know, between new art and new audiences. And I think, you know, that's that's the best we can do. I can only imagine being in this space and that it will have emotional, physical impact and really be an exceptional experience as one of hopefully our first experiences and kind of coming out the other side of this
1: well, it's nice to sonically travel to L.A. at least. I, I really hope to be able to come back there and see this really uh, incredible art scene and, and see what you're doing with compounds soon. So thank you very much for coming on The Art Angle.
0: Thank you so much for having me and for your interest in Compounds.
1: Well, that's it for this week's episode of The Art Angle. If you like what you heard, you can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Also, take a moment to rate and review us. It will help other listeners discover what we're doing. The Art Angle is produced by Tim Schneider and Caroline Goldstein and edited by Nick Long. Thanks for listening and see you next week.